All right. Welcome back to another episode of Tuxedo Time, where we wear tuxedos, and it is time, podcast edition. This is a podcast where we have casual, unfiltered conversations about video production, life as a creator, and uh, whatever the other thing is that we talk about. Anything we want to talk about, because it's our podcast. That's right. Loose spinoff of our YouTube channel. And what is today? What are today's topics, Peckham? Well, today, um, can, is this okay? Is this close enough? Yeah. Now it is. Okay. Well, today's topic, um, a couple of weeks ago, we finally posted our full basement studio tour on our main YouTube channel. If you want to check it out, it's in the show notes. Wait a second. We've been doing this studio. We've been doing this podcast for two years now. Yes. And we've also been working on the studio for two years. So we've been working in the studio pretty much just as long as this podcast has been in existence. Pretty much. Interesting. Yeah. We've had this corner done for a long time. This was the first corner that we finished. Yes. For the podcast. For the podcast. And we finished the drone factory pretty early on too. Correct. Yeah. But the rest of the studio, we just dragged it out. Yeah. But it kept morphing a little. You know, it's like you kind of kept having more ideas and then it kept snowballing a little bit. Well, yeah, that. And like also it was like, oh, we got, we want to make this slat wall. And then it was like, oh, we have to make a slat wall. And then oh, we just yeah. put it off for months. And it was like, okay, finally it's time to make a slat wall. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just did it. And then it's like, oh, we got to make a wow wall on wheels. And then it was like, oh. And then Heading East came. We're like, we should probably make that wall on wheels. So that we could use it for the intro segment or the, the cutaway map segment. Yeah. I have had trim, partial, part of the trim cut and laid in place over there. For a year and a half and just <laughs> never went and got the air nailer to stick it in. <laughs> Finally, I did it for you. You did. Thank you. <laughs> actually, those backdrop stands that mm-hmm. we mounted, we've actually had those f- since we moved into this house. Oh, have we? Yeah, because I ordered them oh, for you our, bought them our for old upstairs. filming room. Yeah, and just never. And then just never them. installed them. You're like, well, I'll just put them in the actual studio then. Yeah, they just never did. Yeah. Yeah. So today, um, while I was editing the basement tour video, we wanted to keep the video pretty short and we talked about a lot of stuff that actually got cut out of the video. So I thought, oh my God, we have a podcast. The reason why we started this podcast was to talk about things in more in depth mm-hmm. than what we can on our YouTube channel. So Tuxedo Time, Studio Edition. Podcast Edition. Studio, studio edition. edition. Yeah, Yes. exactly. Um, but first, before we get into it, I, I have an exciting announcement. What is your exciting announcement? Um, over the Christmas, mm-hmm. I filmed a Skillshare Originals course. I already knew that. Yeah, you already knew that, but you guys (laughs) didn't know that, probably. (laughs) So this podcast is not sponsored by Skillshare, but I wanted to share with you guys that we just released a Skillshare Originals course on how to find your style in the edit. So we kind of, we, I say we, it, it, it was me. (laughs) <laughs> it was her. It was yeah. her. Talk about editing and sound design, but finding your style within the edit. Talk a lot about planning and pre-production, finding your tone and art directing your own videos. So I'm very excited. It's We've never really made, uh, we never really talked about a lot of the topics that we talk about in Skillshare Originals on our, on our channel. There's a couple of overlapping um, concepts, but a lot of it we haven't really talked about on the channel. Yeah, I think that it's, I think it's a unique video series or I guess class uh, class in a sense because it really draws on sort of your inclination to brand things yeah for sure and kind of is like a little peek into what goes on in that little bean head of yours yeah it's very heavy on like the style the you know tone and stuff like that and I'm pretty stoked on it 
So if that sounds like something you got, I feel like they didn't sell it very well. <laughs> I think it was, no, it's fine. Yeah. I think that uh, it is uniquely positioned because I think a lot of people, you said it in the course yourself, it was essentially like you're, a lot of creators are in this game and it's just a saturated market. So a way to set yourself apart is finding your unique style. Mm -hmm. And I think your course has a really good job about what goes through your head to find our style. Yeah. You know, and how you essentially have created this brand and sort of how you started, because that's, that is a daunting task for people who aren't, you know, graphic designers mm -hmm. who don't, or who don't have uh, video experience or don't have any experience at all, you know, let alone how they're going to set themselves apart. So that's, I think it does a good job into going, going through your process and through your, into your mind and see what's going on in that little crazy head of yours. Thanks, babe. You did a better job of explaining it than <laughs> I did. <laughs> there you go. So check it out. We're going to leave a link in the description box if you want to check that course out. You can sign up for Skillshare for free and you can get the course. And if you just want to see the course, you can cancel your subscription. So you can essentially get this course for free. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, or if you want to like dive into learning about more things, you know, Think of it as a business expense. Investing Actually, in yourself. Really like Skillshare. Not spot. Well, we did a sponsored video with them, but this podcast isn't sponsored. But mm -hmm. I, I honestly do love the product, and that's why I was so excited when they reached out to do this course, because we've been talking about doing a course for a long while, and it's a perfect excuse to kind of get our feet wet with it. Um, but then also, like I've been watching Skillshare over the last couple of years. I took like a documentary filming making course and. Dan Mace's course, and there's a couple other ones that I watched. There is like one, there's some interior designer that I watched. Like, very useful. Just endless, endless amount of content there. Yeah. So check it out. Link in the description box. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about uh, this studio. Um, if you guys are watching this podcast on YouTube, you obviously recognize this set from all of our videos. And this is actually one of five filming sets in our entire home studio, which we basically took our unfinished portion of our basement and turned it into an epic home studio. So the space is a mix of finished corners, like finished design style spaces and utility. So we didn't fully finish out the whole space. The ceiling is still open and we left the concrete raw floors. If you want to watch the entire video like tour, we'll leave it in the show notes, beckyandchris.com slash podcast, whatever episode number this is. But uh, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit more in depth about some of the choices that we made and kind of what it takes to plan out and design a home studio, whether you're just doing it in an extra bedroom or corner of your basement or even taking your entire basement if you're allowed to and uh, converting it into a little YouTube space. Yeah, I think that most people who see the video, well, first of all, anybody who's seen all these little sets in our videos probably are going to be surprised about the orientation of how these sets are all in the same room. Yeah. They probably think, oh, I didn't realize that was the same room as this. So it's, it's just one big open space. Right. And we've got basically four corners of the room when, and a wall that has a backdrop stand on it. Yeah. We basically shoved each set into a corner and left the middle portion of the basement kind of like open so we could move lights around and kind of have like a working area. When you're building out a studio, you don't want to jam pack your, your floor space full of furniture because you want to be able to have the freedom to move lights around and set up different types of shots. And, you know, the idea is to have space to, to do that, but then also have these little polished corners where 
it makes filming really accessible because everything is already set up. Yeah. And also this, I mean, we realize this is a very large space. Yeah. We're very, very grateful to have the amount, this amount of space in our house to be able to do this with. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And especially for, um, you know, if, if someone has rented space, then they're obviously not going to have this much free space, but all the concepts in the studio, in the video that we were just talking about, mm -hmm. I mean, you can apply to any room that you have, yes. you know, it doesn't have to be a permanently set up space either. It can be, you know, if, if you live in a, a single bedroom apartment, you know, it's maybe it's just a matter of setting your room up for filming mode, but then tearing down your lights, Yeah, you know, but using the same concepts of, okay, this is how we're going to adjust the space to work as a studio. And you realize that, you know, studios, no, it's, there's nothing magical about a studio. No, it's just a, a space that you film in. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just interiors. Yeah. I think too, like an, uh, another interesting idea just popped up. Like you're talking about making a studio in your bedroom. Like you could almost even convert your closet into a studio in your bedroom. And then suddenly you pop a light up, you open up the closet and there's your background with like everything in there. Mm -hmm. And like, that's your background to film against. So yeah. You just close the door and then it's gone, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Or even if you have just like natural light, you could do that, throw a few practicals on in the background. Yep. Um, I mean, that's why the number one best performing video on our channel is turn your bedroom into a home studio. Oh, I bet it is. I bet it is because it's relatable, right? But in like, I think we made it like 2018 and that to date is the most the popular most, video by views. It's the one and only video on our channel that's ever gotten over a million views. Yeah, it's at like 1.3 million, I think now. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because like a lot of us are starting out with what we have. You know what I mean? Well, I say us. So we've been doing this for six years, but we're still filming in our home. You know, we're not ready to move on to the big bad studio yet. We don't but I, don't, I don't think that has to be the natural progression though. I don't think so. I think once you start adding employees, that kind of makes sense. But mm -hmm. for us, it doesn't right now. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, when you start having employees, you need extra office space. I mean, like to have people come here and work, it just doesn't make sense. It's this is a basement studio. There's no windows and it's just not, it's not a comfortable working environment for day-to-day -day, like editing office life. Mm -hmm. For studio, it works out perfectly because you have 100% control of the light. Yeah. And so while it might be uncomfortable to come down here all day long when it's beautiful and sunny outside, it's real great when it's beautiful and sunny outside and you need to control the light. Yes, exactly. You don't have to have blackout shades in every single window. Right, exactly. So we're going to talk through the studio a little bit. If you want to check it out, like I said, the link is in the description box. There's also a number of images on or our in the show notes. blog. Yeah, there's a. will leave a link to our blog post with the before and after pictures of the space, but I'll leave a couple in the show notes as well. So the basement is a portion of the square footage of our house. So the drone factory is included in that. And you kind of come in and it's like one big, large open space with sort of like a little mezzanine hallway moment. Like you walk into a small kind of triangle. And then to the left, there's a big room for the drone factory. Isn't a mezzanine between floors? Oh, uh, <laughs> I think you're right. Foyer. <laughs> Hallway. Uh, hall There's yeah. a room. There's a room with a hallway. And a, skinny, room a skinny with a hallway. little a skinny little connecting device. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well yeah, so there's there's basically you walk into a room, to the left is the drone factory, to the right is the studio. This is the garage here, right? No. No. Well, you can either go left to the drone factory. Yes. Or right to the studio. To the studio, which is underneath our living room. Correct, yes. So we kind of broke in the space up into a few different uses. When you come into the studio originally, you, you kind of end up in the small room. So we cladded out the walls with OSB, which we painted black. We didn't want to get into doing drywall. We thought OSB would be a fun texture change. Yeah. And so for people who don't know what OSB is, it's basically like 
kind of like particle board. Mm-hmm. Just a bunch of wood chips that are sandwiched together with glue. Yeah. It's kind of a cheap alternative for house sheathing. Um, less expensive than plywood, but less durable. It's not, it's, it's less durable than plywood, but it's cheaper. Correct. Yeah. But it has that kind of characteristic, kind of rough texture to it. Mm-hmm. And it creates this a bit of a kind of a look, you know? It does. Yeah. So we did it in the drone factory with the oversized pegboard. We painted it black. Painted it black. So we copied that in the hallway. And then we took our walnut wall hooks, all six of them, and hung them on the wall. And then hung our favorite camera bags mm-hmm. there for quick access. So our walnut wall hooks, uh, they are available for purchase. We will leave a link in the show notes. Um, it's our second product in our home decor line. So check it out. If you guys want something a little custom in your house, mm-hmm. solid walnut hooks, uh, we love them. Yes, we do. Um, also, you don't need a lot of knowledge to install those. It comes with instructions. You just need like a drill, screwdriver, a level, pencil. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, so as you walk in, you kind of get greeted with these large um, powder-coated metal shelves. And they're utility shelves. They're open. They're kind of messy. They just store all of our gear, our little DIY backdrops that we have, our alien bees, which are our flashes, our strobes that we've had for like 15 years. <laughs> Still recommend them to anybody looking for flashes for yeah. photography. And then as you keep going right, you enter into the studio. So there's a cinder block wall there. We left them open. We hung up some Ikea frames with some prints from Cold Island in there. And just stole some dressers from our house and used that as storage and then kind of styled the top. Yeah, the dressers were left over mostly from our apartment living days. A lot of things in the studio were left over. This entire set for the podcast, the Navy couch, the walnut table, the rocker that you're in. This is literally our living room from, from the apartment. A, exactly. From two apartments. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the, um, this Navy couch actually came with us from Vancouver. Yes. And it still looks pretty good, I think. Yeah, I mean, we, it was a, a shame to not be able to use it somewhere. Yeah, it was kind of sitting in another room in our house, and we were thinking about selling it. And I was like, well, it's such a great couch, but it's a it's a loft-sized couch. So it's apartment size. It's smaller scale, smaller width than like a normal couch. See, I didn't even know that there were different sizes, like apartment size versus regular size furniture. You never noticed when we'd be cuddling on the couch and neither of us really fit on it together? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess I realized deep down in my subconscious that yes, there are some, there's some like furniture that's bigger than others, but I never really thought in my mind, oh, this is apartment size and this is regular size. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. You can get, yep. Smaller stuff that is sized for smaller spaces. You know, it's funny when I think about this couch and I think about Vancouver, I don't remember this couch feeling so small. Just because you didn't have a large full-size sectional to compare it to. Yeah, that's true. We had a 400-square-foot apartment that was very small. Yes. And this filled the entire living room, this couch. I think we remember that. Like, I remember that room being larger than it is. Yeah, me too. Just because that's all we knew. Yeah. So for those of you guys listening, we have a loft-size couch in, in the studio. It's navy velvet with walnut legs. And it's a couch with a chaise on it, so it's like half couch, half chaise. It's like, like a sectional. It's like a sectional, but well, a chaise is like a couch with an ottoman attached to it. Sure. So not a sectional where like the other side has a back. But it makes an L shape, kind of. Right. So yeah. when this couch was kind of floating around, I, was, I didn't really want to get rid of it because the cool thing about this couch is that you can change where the chaise part is. It can be on the left or the right. 
Because it actually is just an ottoman. It is, but the cushion the is cushion one is big one cushion. continuous thing that you could flip over. Right. So it makes this couch incredibly versatile for any space because you're not you're not glued to having the chaise on the left. It can mm-hmm. be on the right as well. This is well. a Gus couch? This is a Gus modern couch. Yeah. So I like that. I like the ability to be able to do that. And I haven't really seen a lot of other couches that can kind of do that. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Let's build the studio around this couch. And at first I was like, well, navy, I'm kind of over the navy. But then I was like, I think navy can still work. Like, I think if we put it in like a dark space with neutrals, I think it will look good. And I, I love it. Yeah, I know it works well. Yeah. Um, so moving on from this part of the space, because I think, I feel like the people have seen this space. Anybody who watches this podcast? Yeah, have seen it. By the way, very familiar. One of you guys were asking in one of our earlier episodes if we were going to, or maybe it was on the new Instagram account, if we were going to do a video about our podcast setup, we're going to be either it's up now or we're going to be posting it soon about this specific set, what we're using to record this podcast, how we're filming this podcast. So if you want to check that out, that's on our main channel. I'll leave it in the show notes. Yeah. A lot of people are curious about the tech. Yes. The tech side of it. Yeah. It's all there. Okay. So moving on to the charge wall. The charge wall. Yeah. The charge wall. um, Did we talk about it in the video or about anything about it? Not really. Okay. So the charge wall Interestingly enough, you invented this concoction upstairs. I don't think I invented it. I've seen like other types of walls that are similar to that. You surely surely put on the the Moody Dark. I put a Moody Dark stamp on it for sure. Becky and Chris stamp of approval on it. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I built out a matte black charge wall in our previous filming room, which was just a bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I posted it on Instagram and I didn't make a video about it and people loved it. And so that one post did very well. It did very to well. To the point where other people were tagging you in charge walls they made exactly the same. And you're like, shit, yeah, I should have done a, a video about done this. A video. Yeah. So I made an Instagram story about it. So I, I pinned that to our story highlights. And I was like, shit, I think this would be like a good video to make because mm-hmm. A, I think it'd be useful and I think it would do really well. So I remade one down here and the video did pretty well. Yeah. Um, so the charge wall for, well, you guys can't see it because it's behind me, but it's essentially two black metal pegboards with just some metal baskets attached. And there's like a power bar attached there and just some like ways to store cables and lights. But it's arranged nicely in like a very pleasing sort of spesature way. Yes. Yeah. It's exactly <laughs> Spezzatura. Learned that, learned that word recently. It's a new one for my vocab. Kind of like waxes and wanes. <laughs> the Spezza waxes and wanes. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it, it's kind of, it looks a little bit haphazard, but it's still almost gridded. So it's, it's kind of like controlled chaos. I'm looking at it right now, trying to describe it. Yeah. I threw a light on it to highlight it. And so it's even more obvious now. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, I like it. I think it's, it's a nice touch and it's very functional too. It's a great way to organize your batteries and things that you're charging that you need to access on the fly. That's not like hidden away. Right. But that also doesn't look like complete chaos. Mm -hmm. Like there's some planning to it. Yeah. (laughs) And then below that, we have that cabinet from Ikea that we... uh, Oh, that cabinet's been with us since... Since Vancouver. No, since since our apartment. Our apartment here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, the coffee station. Was yes, it, it was. Yeah. It was, first of all, it held all of our, my hard drives in my office first. Mm-hmm. Then Your I, orifice? my orifice. And then I changed everything around and made it my coffee station. Right. Because, you know, I can't keep a room one way for longer than a year. 
<laughs> no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I get sick of it and got to move shit yep, around. Yep. So we added a little clothing rack down here in the studio because, surprise, surprise, we bulk film everything, mm -hmm. pretty much. Chris works a full-time job outside the house. I do YouTube full-time, which is why sometimes you see me on the YouTube channel alone. What's that blue light? What blue light? That blue light that's right there. I don't know, but it's recording, I promise. Bluetooth. Something about Bluetooth. Oh, maybe there's a phone paired to it? It says it's recording, so okay, okay. look, this is my job. One job. <laughs> One job. Push the record button on the podcast machine. Yeah, so we added a, a clothing rack. It's funny because like, you don't really know what you need in a studio space until you start using a space and realize, oh, you know what would be really handy? A lint roller. Yeah. Or like you film a video and you're like, oh, wow, I have like 1,800 hairs attached to my black blouse. But you know what's easy to add? A lint roller after the fact. Yeah. You know what's really crappy though is if you say renovated a whole space, i.e. your kitchen. Oh, God, yeah. And then you did the wrong layout or you put something in the wrong spot that's structural. Mm -hmm. That's that's problematic. Yeah. It's funny when it comes to renovations, you almost want to live in the space and see how everything flows before you renovate it. Yeah. I'm glad we did that with our kitchen before we start the renovation because I know exactly what we need and mm -hmm. what does and doesn't work in that space. Yes. Yeah. So we added a clothing rack because I think the first time I realized that we needed one was when we started our partnership with Cuts and they sent us a bunch of stuff and we were making an Instagram story. And I was like, I have no way. I have nowhere to hang I think we had like three t-shirts, a sweater and something else. And mm -hmm. I was like, I have nowhere to put these. Like that isn't the floor where they're not going to get like dusty and wrinkled. So I had to like set up a backdrop stand and hang them on the backdrop stand. And I was like, <laughs> I think a clothing rack would clothing probably rack, yeah. be good here. So we got a small one and it's black with like a little wooden dowel and there's like nice black hangers on, on it. It is. Yeah. yeah. I got a nice looking one. And that's been helpful just to have there like... When we did the Skillshare class, um, we shot in like two separate scenes. So I brought down a couple of options, hung them up. Mm -hmm. And we had a couple of people here. We followed COVID protocols and everyone was wearing masks and got tested and everything, which gave me a lot of peace of mind. But um, I just had my options hung there. It was there. also like pre-Omicron. It was pre-Omicron, yeah. And the options were just hung there. It was nice to have them out of the way while people were kind of sitting around. They weren't just like in the way. Yeah. So that was super handy. And we did that Cuts ad that used a lot of different clothes. Like we had all these different outfits for me. Yes, we did. We had like three outfits. Like, so the premise of the ad was like, okay, cuts like did this thing. And so we had the bags. And so Chris would be wearing an outfit and we'd take the bag with the garment in it and throw it at his chest. And then as the bag would hit his chest, his outfit would change. Right. And so we had four complete outfits that were different, mm -hmm. which included like the cuts shirts and or hoodie. Yeah. Plus speaking of which wearing it right now, not sponsored by cuts right now, but Wearing the cuts. If you hoodie. like this, like this T-shirt, follow the link in the show notes. Yes, and you can check the Becky and Chris discount. <laughs> yeah, I'm not wearing cuts right now. I'm wearing Buffalo Made Co. because I thought we were working on projects. There you go. Yeah, so we had like a bunch of outfits. So it was just like a, we had a leather jacket down here and a denim jacket, and I think we had a hat and all the sorts of stuff. And it was just like everywhere. It was a mess. Mm -hmm. So the clothing rack was key. The another thing we added to the space was this um, utility cart that's on wheels it's a metal utility cart what's up with you and things on wheels key the cart key. on wheels cow cart, cow cart on wheels it's listen studio you want to be able to move shit that's around true. that's true yeah wheels and you're doing it solo like mm -hmm. me yeah and you got light stands on wheels laos no i yeah i do actually I have two yeah. light stands on wheels <laughs> the utility cart right now is holding an old apple display which by the way those visa mounts vesa mounts what are they called <laughs> 
Vesa? Yeah, V-E-S-A. Fuck. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck. They're the worst. I think they're only the worst for that particular monitor because the monitor has a spring-loaded um, mechanism. Yeah. Where the where it mounts screw mounts onto the mount. When you as soon so as you take it off, it just like, goes like this. Yeah, this display is from like 2015 or 14 or something. Yeah. So yeah, so it spring yeah it springs out. So sorry, continue. So as soon as you disconnect the plate from it, it springs. It springs like into the body of and the monitor. And there's like 18 screws in it. Yeah. It's difficult. It was, I remember it was difficult when I had to take off the bracket and then install the wall mount. Yeah. And then you had to do the opposite of that, take off the wall mount and install, install the, bra the, the the stand again. I thank God for YouTube because I like <laughs> looked up a bunch of videos. The guy was like, yeah, so this is really tricky. So just keep jamming the card in there and then suddenly it will just unlock. <laughs> and I was like, cool. And he was right. I would just like jam, 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 jam for like five minutes. And finally, like minute seven, it was like click. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, what I wanted to do, because I had so much fun filming the Skillshare course that mm -hmm. I want to make my own course. Oh. So I like the idea of having the slat wall set, which is where we film the majority of our YouTube videos on our main channel. We'll talk about that in a second. I like the idea of being able to bring that monitor over there and set up more of like a desk mm -hmm. office scenario, because obviously we don't edit down here. Our office is in a different space. So the the utility cart, once that monitor is off, which for Skillshare it was, it was on the desk. The guy who came to film, my friend Greg, was able to use the utility cart as intended. As a utility cart. As a utility. His, put all his stuff he, he on put it. put his laptop there. All his reference materials were there. And he was able to kind of move it around depending on where the cameras were. So I was like, oh, this is like perfect. I'm perfect use case scenario for utility mm -hmm. cart. Okay, so let's talk about the slat wall set. The slat wall? And go. The slat wall? The slat wall. <laughs> it was a real skank to make. It was. Yeah. Fuck. They always are, though. Every DIY project is always. Especially the slat walls. Slat wall. This is not the first slat wall we've made. No, it is <laughs> We're not. We're going to link to a blog post about a slat wall we made in St. John's, in our home in St. John's. It was a beautiful slat wall, the original one. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. It was a real bitch. Uh, poplar slats yeah. that were all hand stained, all hand sanded. All hand treated and all hand stained. Yeah, this is and a, then all hand clear coated. This was early on in my woodworking days. Was it around the same time where we used a circular saw to cut drywall? A affirmative. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! It's like I was in a coke den. It's like <laughs> we're like this isn't how you're supposed to cut drywall. Yeah, it's like oh score and snap. Score well, and snap we've come a long I, way. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. But this was like yeah, this was early on. So I assumed because you could buy. Like pine was kind of like your basic woodworking project material, your sort of entry level wood. Yep. And pine stained kind of really heterogeneously. And pine is also extremely naughty. Mm. <laughs> naughty pine. Oh, you're so naughty. Oh. Um, yes. And it's not the best wood for like finished furniture. Finished project. Yeah, it didn't yeah. have the look that we were going for. It was a little bit more country. You know, it has its places, but not, yeah, but not type, for our style, not for like a sort of like we're going for this like dark, high end, luxury, moody bedroom yeah. or living room, I should say. What is it called? Minoti. Was that the brand? Minoti was the brand. Yeah. yeah. We found this picture of the Minoti, which is a furniture store, a very high end, their showroom. Mm -hmm. And they had the most stunning furniture that we could only wish to ever afford. And they had a vertical slat wall. And they had a vertical slat wall. And we we're like, oh, this is like, that was the inspiration image for the right. entire living room. And it was probably something like walnut. 
I think it was walnut, yeah. and then eventually they like did gray ones, but <clears throat> yeah. So we wanted this like dark wood slat wall. So what we did was I went to a local um, mill mm-hmm. and had them basically. I just purchased like hundreds of board, uh, hundreds of linear feet of poplar one by two because. We wanted the walnut look, but we couldn't afford walnut. Right, it was so way too expensive. basically, I just went with the, <laughs> I went with the, <laughs> the cheapest wood I could find that wasn't pine, that was better than pine, better quote unquote than pine. Yeah, that had like some kind of green that wasn't extreme, like it wasn't knots. There was grain texture. Yeah. But. So anyway, I bought hundreds of feet of this of of poplar one by two. And then I did a stain test, which I always recommend. Always do a stain always test. At least like, test. even though we were early on in our woodworking career, mm-hmm. I still had enough wherewithal to do a stain test before I just jumped in and tried to, started trying to stain it all. Yeah. And oh my God, the poplar does not stain well. It stains just as poorly as pine. Cause it's so spotty. The, it's, it's the pore size is very, it's highly variable. So some parts of it, you'll get really large pores that suck up the stain. And other parts, you'll get really tiny pores that don't suck the stain up nearly as well. So you get just like the splotches and the stain just does not look natural. does not look good. So long story short, I did a bunch of tests and I found finally that using shellac to essentially coat the wood to basically pre-fill all of the pores with the shellac mm-hmm. and then lightly sand it by hand and then use a gel stain that essentially more or less sits on top of the shellac wood. It doesn't really penetrate it the same way. Like it doesn't go into the pores, but at least it's even then. Yeah. And then since it didn't penetrate it as well, it, I had to stain it twice because to get as dark, to get the wood as dark as I wanted. And then I had to clear coat it a bunch of time. So by the time you factored in like sanding it, the poplar, light sand over the poplar, uh, gel stain times one, gel stain times two, clear coat, clear coat, clear coat. It was like, seven or eight steps yeah. of all, but hundreds of linear feet of, of, of poplar yeah. all by hand. So I was like, it was extremely labor intensive. It but, turned out so good though. But it looked nice. It, it did. did. Yeah. I was actually very happy. Consider, that was probably to date one of my favorite, has been one of my favorite projects. From that house? Yeah. We did a lot of DIY projects and every project was that DIY because we couldn't afford to hire anybody and we couldn't yeah. afford to buy it. So we made it. So learning now that poplar is not really a stain, uh, something you're supposed to stain. It's more of a paint grade wood. Yeah. Um, allegedly. <laughs> so I still don't know a whole lot about woodworking. Poplar looks nice. Like it does look nice. Yeah. yeah it got to get a bit of a green hue to it, but the green pattern is beautiful. Well, it depends on if you're, if it's the heartwood or the sapwood. Right. So, uh, one of them's pink, kind of a more of a magenta pink and one of them's more of a greenish, greenish hue to it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's, it's not a bad looking wood, but for this project here in the studio, we knew we were going to paint it. So we went, Cheap is you know, cheap, 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 and just used MDF. And how did that turn out for you? Well, um, <laughs> voice crack. Oh, well, oh, well, <laughs> would you have done it differently this time if you had to, to redo it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't even know. I wouldn't have not done it the first time, but I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> yeah. So what we ended up doing was getting full sheets of MDF and then quarter inch MDF, quarter inch flimsy in- stuff, just to, to act as a backer board. Yeah, so we got quarter inch MDF and then we got three quarters inch MDF. So we right. we had the quarter inch for the backer board and then we had the three quarters for the slats. And the plan was to cut down the MDF, the three quarter inch MDF into like one and a half inch slats. Mm-hmm. Then we would affix those to the quarter inch MDF and then they'd go up in panels. Yep. So we weren't attaching the slats directly to the drywall in case we wanted to remove or move the slat wall in like a couple yeah. of years. Now in hindsight... 
it would have been just easier to attach the slats directly to the wall. Yeah. And then just spray it all as one. Yeah. Um, but the thing about the thing about MDF and <laughs> in hindsight, what I probably would have done is use poplar for this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just thinking poplar would have been the perfect paint grade wood because the knots aren't overly visible. Right. And when you cut MDF, it creates that like fu- it turns it into a fuzzy sponge. Right. Which becomes extremely bumpy and textured when painted because it sucks the paint up and like bloats, right? Right. So we had to treat the MDF with a sealer. Right, exactly. Which was another extra step. Yeah. So and and the, this wall is probably bigger than the slat wall in St. John's. And it's probably about the same size. The same it's size. actually probably about the exact same size. Yeah. Anyway. And also we wouldn't have run into the issue with the um with the air vent going on the top. Right. Because we had to create um, we had to have this last not go all the way to the top of the wall. Right. Because there's an air vent that goes up. We wouldn't, right. we didn't, wouldn't be able, we weren't able to fit the panels up. Yeah. We made videos so. about all these projects, by the yes. way. So they'll all wanna, be in the show notes. If you want to blow by blow um, trials and tribulations of making the slat wall, we'll leave that video in the, in the, in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> but we painted it all out matte black and I'm pretty pleased with how it looks. I think it looks fantastic on camera. Yeah. I, I think it looks good too. I'm happy with how it looks. Yeah, I am too. And then we hung some pendant lights there. They're paper lights. So there was a video uh, in which I had put Aperture B7Cs inside, which are like light bulbs made for practical lights for video. Mm -hmm. They don't flicker. You can change like the color, temperature, and the actual color. They're fantastic. So As opposed to like Hue lights, which are the Philips Hue lights that you buy, you know, at any big box store, which are a fantastic product for use at your home. Yes. But filming with them on anything other than the Fulbright setting... They flicker. They flicker and they make lines because they're LEDs. Yeah. They're LEDs that are not made to not flicker. Yeah. On camera. Right. So they don't flicker in real life though. No. To to your eyes, they don't look like they ever flicker. No, they look great to your eyes. But to the camera. They do flicker. Camera tells no lies. It's true. So I put the B7Cs in there and then I got a little bit concerned because the way these these pendant lights that I have in the slot wall set are like pendant lights for your house, not for a studio. And the way they're set up inside, well, first of all, the outside is like this almost like origami paper lantern. So mm-hmm. the paper, first of all. And then inside, the pendant like kind of goes inside the, sh- the paper shade. And there's this plastic like nest thing that goes over. I guess it's for like the light fixture or the, sorry, the light bulb goes inside this like plastic nest almost. Mm-hmm. And then the paper shade goes around it. So I'm assuming that the plastic thing is there to prevent the light bulb from touching the paper so it's not a fire hazard. But the shape of this plastic nest that's inside that the light bulb goes inside of, when the B7Cs were in there, it was just, like, they just fit. Like, the plastic nest touched the B7Cs. And the Mm -hmm. B7Cs get hot when they're on, just like any other light. I mean... If it's made for an incandescent light bulb that gets hotter than those... It would probably be fine. It's probably fine. Yeah. The other... The other reason why I didn't put the aperture lights in there is because sometimes, so the aperture lights before I had the Sidus Link app and all of the other B7Cs programmed, mm-hmm. you had to turn them off manually. Because, oh, right, right, and, right. Which meant touching the paper lantern every time, opening it up, turning oh, off the yeah, light, and that's then right. closing it. Yeah. And I didn't want, like, every time you touch paper, like, it, it gets, like, wrinkled up and fucked up, and then your, like, finger grease and stuff gets on it. So I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? This isn't worth it. I'm just going to put hue yeah, lights in And we there. never use those lights on color mode. We don't. They're no. always on just like bright Daylight. white. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's fine the way it is. Yeah. Plus those lights are better used elsewhere too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And all of the other lamps where you can't really 
right. see them. Um, so we talked about this set, the podcast set. We talked about the slot wall set. Mm-hmm. So that's two of five. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about the drone factory. We talked about the drone factory, which is three of five, yeah. to be fair. So uh, set four in the studio is these wall-mounted uh, paper backdrops. So we bought these um, impact wall-mounted backdrop hangers from BH. Um, Impact, the brand, makes a lot of very affordable studio equipment. Yeah. They're a little bit on the cheaper side. Oh, 100%. Them. Yeah. I mean, the build, I mean, they're made of plastic, so yeah. they're flimsy. Well, right? the brackets aren't made of plastic. They're made of metal, but right. like the chains are made of plastic and like the, the pieces that go inside the paper backdrops are plastic. Right. And the roller mechanism is plastic. Yeah. So it it's works. budget for sure. It is. Yeah. But I mean, for the amount of times that we're going to be using it, I mean, we're not like a daily studio here where we're pulling backdrops down and it's only us using it. It's not like it's a studio that's rented out to people who are going to be harder on their gear per se. Exactly. So this serves our purpose yeah. and they're small little backdrops. So it doesn't like, it's not like we need a massive, uh, heavy duty piece of equipment. Yeah. For home studio, it works out perfectly. Yeah. I think if I had my time back, I probably would have gone with the wider paper backdrops. But with that said, we don't really use them a lot for backgrounds for our videos. They're mm-hmm. more so like if we're going to do a quick headshot for something or product photography, or we want to do like get back and zoom in and get a close shot. Mm-hmm. Or have them as backdrops in a larger kind of BTS type set. Right. Where you can see the lights and stuff. Kind of has that behind the scenes look. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're pretty great for that. I just got the paper backdrops from BH. They're like the Savage brand. They mm-hmm. come in tons of different colors. Savage. Savage boy. Um, <laughs> so that was like a, a pretty recent addition. So that's four out of four sets. It's four out of four sets. Four to five, sorry. Four, four, to five. four to five. And the fifth one. Yes. Is the... Brrr- Wow. wow. That wall stands for on wheels. W O W the wall on wheels. <laughs> yeah. Wall on wheels. Not on wheels. 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 Will Wheaton. <laughs> What's Will Wheaton from? I think it was from a family guy reference. Uh Will Wheaton. But he's the uh is he a comedian? I don't remember. I think he's a comedian. Anyway. Yeah, so the wall on wheels is we again we made a whole video about this, so we're gonna link that in the show notes as well. It is basically a standalone divider wall. To, yeah. We had to figure out a way to partition off this part of the unfinished basement from all the utilities, like the furnace and things, hot water heater, et cetera. And what better way to do it than a wall on wheels? Yeah, it's perfect. One side is covered with the black painted OSB to match mm-hmm. the drone factory and the hallway where all of our bags are. And there's a little bit of a gallery wall there, just pretty simple with the Oxford pendant pendants. But then the other side is that wall that we talked about for, well, you've seen it in the heading you said, if you watch this podcast on mm-hmm. YouTube, um, the back of that wall can transform depending on what project that we're working on. So that's kind of the idea. We like the idea of being able to paint it, stick stuff to it, hang stuff off it and be able to patch it up and then flip it around and have it face the unfinished portion of the basement. Yeah. So if you flip that wall around right now. You'd see the heading you set, yeah, you <laughs> the map, the map, which will p- probably change in a couple of months, depending on what project we're working on next. Yep. Who knows? There you go. Looking at the studio as a whole, is there anything that you would do differently or change or that you like anything on your wish list for next time? I don't know. I didn't really have anything on. I kind of just went along with what your ideas were. Yeah. Because I mean, you knew best. You're gonna, you're you're the one who's going to be using it all the time. Right. Um, would I have changed anything? No, I don't think so. I mean outside of anything ma- massively structural, like higher ceilings is always yeah. a benefit in st- any studio. Yeah. But I mean, it is what it is down here, right? 
for sure. Yeah. You we get I what think, you get. I think we worked with what we, we got. We left the ceilings open. So we had like a little extra cavity space to shove yeah. lights up there. But I mean, luck, luckily enough, we're, we still have eight usable feet. Yes. To the joists. Absolutely. Above. Yeah. Which uh, is great. Cause some basements don't even have that height ceiling. Mm. Um, there's a couple of things that I wish, like, I think if, if I was to say like, what's your ideal kind of studio setup, I definitely think that it would be nice to have natural light with, um, blinds on a remote blackout shade. So you could hit a remote and the shades come down and completely block it out. So you have the light control, but you could have natural light. Now you're talking about the penthouse studio. We yeah, said that before. I'm talking about the penthouse this, studio. This is the penthouse studio, the penthouse not studio. the basement studio. With like the, the <laughs> 20 foot ceilings and like the floor to ceiling windows. Just a glass atrium. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, one can only dream. There you go. Who knows? Maybe one day. I think what would be really cool would be to have, like I think with the type of content that we make, you almost want to have like, like a big room industrial type studio almost doesn't really work for us. Mm-hmm. We'd almost have to, build something custom. This is like, this is like the, you know, you talk about the dream house. It's like the dream <laughs> studio. You, you'd build something that has, you know, like the 15, 20 foot ceilings, like the big natural light and stuff, but you'd almost do it like per room where you'd have like rooms that could be different styles where you could stage them. And like, if we continue growing our home accessory line, you could like use these rooms to photograph and they could always be changing kind of things. So you'd have like a living room, a kitchen. Look, you know, my requirement all it needs, all I require is a rooftop helipad. helipad. I know. Rooftop helipad. One of these days, who hanger. knows? We'll hanger. see. We'll see hanger where the, as well. the hanger, yeah. That would be ideal. If we could have like a studio with a helipad and a hanger, that would be like the most epic, like dream studio I could even imagine. I mean, that was really the only requirement for me when we were looking for house, when we were house hunting. Yeah. It's like, Becky's like, well, I want this, 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 and this. And I'm just like, room for the and a helicopter. That's it. <laughs> but, did you, but did you want two toilets in the primary ba- bathroom? You know what? It's the thing I just didn't realize I needed. You didn't know you needed <laughs> yeah. two toilets. Although we've been training ourselves out of that. Yeah. So a little. Up- <laughs> they're, they're not facing each other. Okay. Just yeah. don't. They're, you we're can't not, see we're each not other weird like that. Doll. Okay. They're, they're around. One's around a corner. So you can like, you could talk to one another, but they're in different corners of the bathroom around a wall. Yeah. You're not locking eyes while you're turtle heading. <laughs> Prairie dogging? Yeah, prairie dogging. You can hear it when it plops out. (laughs) Well, this is a good segue to give like the quickest, world's quickest update on the home renovation. Yes. Because some people on our main channel on Instagram were asking like, what happened to the bathroom you were working on last year? And like, when are we going to see a house tour? And like all this stuff. Yeah, soon, Uh, soon. Yeah, so the the bathroom we pretty much finished. We're waiting on glass. There's a bit of a miscommunication with the glass company. Um, with the quote and so we have the to finalize that but we're coming up the house is not close to being done no but we are going to be rolling out with a home renovation series this winter Mm -hmm. first four episodes once those spaces are done and out then we're moving on to the second iteration of our home rental project it'll probably be like three seasons of like with like a four four episode mini series dropped each time yeah it's probably going to be like a three or four yeah, a three or four, four episode miniseries each time. Yeah. Yeah. So probably like four Between times. Between 12 to 16 episodes all in all, usually like one episode per room, basically. 12 to, I think it's about 12 episodes will end up being. Yeah. So, so it's, it's gonna like going to be four, three to four episodes per seasonal uh, okay. launch of the home gotcha. series. Yeah. Three to four episodes in three to four drops. Yeah. Okay. This is the only way that we can make this manageable because we're doing the work ourselves, mm-hmm. A. 
Chris works full time. I work full time. So we're kind of doing it on our spare time. And also we're incredibly laying tiles, not, not December 31st, 2021, but December 31st, 2020. Yeah. Literally laying tiles at home. Yes. (laughs) On January 31st, 2020, we were pretty sure painting the bathroom. Probably. Like New Year's Eve. And then we're like, oh, we should probably go look at fireworks. December 31st. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. But yeah, so once this chunk, the first, we'll call it the first season of the Home Rental series is done, mm-hmm. we're going to be working on the next portion, which is our primary bedroom, bathroom, and closet. Mm-hmm. So we're in the process now of like doing all the fun stuff, like picking out the tiles and <laughs> picking out what the countertop's going to be and the sink is going to be. And we've never really had. She's picking out all that stuff. She's doing all that stuff. She's, she finds it fun. We've never really had, we've never really had the primary bedroom, like the primary bedroom. Like everyone talks about, you you know, when you're designing your home, like the primary bedroom is like the spot that should be like the sanctuary sanctuary. And we've never really, we've never really had that. Like in our first house, we were on an extreme budget. So it was all Ikea, which there's nothing wrong with that, but everything matched in a very small room. And we did what we could with the money that we had, but it was never like a dream bedroom. You know what I mean? Is this your dream bedroom? Maybe. Oh, I want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just, yeah, I just want to build out my dream bedroom because we've never really had one Mm -hmm. in Vancouver. Our room was so small that we had a queen size bed. Now we had a beautiful bed. And I think, thank you to EQ3 and Sam who worked with us on getting us those products. But the furnishings in the room were beautiful. The bed was beautiful. I love the bedding that they had sent and the end tables, but the room was so small that it was the size of a queen bed with like a foot on either end and you couldn't close the door. Yes. It was very tight. Very tight. Yeah. Again, we talked about how tight our Vancouver apartment was like less than 500 square feet for the entire apartment. Less than 400 square feet. Oh, less than 400. Okay. Well, in that case, it was like 410, including the patio. Wow. Okay. Compact living. Very small. Yeah. And then in our last apartment, there was like carpet on the floor and we couldn't really paint everything. We like did an accent wall, but we were working with what we had left over from like Vancouver. Like we had some old, like tiny side tables that we used in our closet and we didn't want to buy new furniture for the apartment. So we didn't. So it just wasn't really that great. And then we moved in here. We've been here for two years and we bought a new bed, but we're still using these like old IKEA side table things that are falling apart. They literally are falling apart. Like they are like, they're like slanty shanty. Yeah. The tops like are cracked off. Yeah. And there's like, you know, yellow carpet in there and yellow walls and this really weird like wood ceiling, which is like tropical fish hand painted on the tiles in the bathroom. Definitely has some beach vibes in there. Yeah. There's like a whitewashed, um, what's it called? Tray ceiling. Yeah. It's like a tray ceiling with like a wood, like wood paneled with a whitewash. I think it's whitewashed cedar. I think so too. It's very beachy. It is. I think the the former owners really liked the whole beach vibe thing. A lot of people actually uh, put that for whatever reason in their bedrooms and bathrooms. Yeah. I think maybe people want to have, maybe they associate like the beach with like relaxing People love the beach, man. Yeah. The beach is a great place. Yeah. It is a great place. The beach isn't quite for me Mm -hmm. as a theme, but, um, each to their own. But when you, when you look at the house and you look at the living room and you look at, you know, what the kitchen's going to be, and then you go back to the to primary suite, it's kind of, there's a miscommunication there's a there. Disconnect. There's a disconnect. It's not yes. the same style. So it doesn't fit. So we're going to go all out 
I think in there, I'm very excited. We're going to build some cabinetry. We took a cabinet making course. <laughs> we did. Uh, Ken DeCoste, shout out to Ken DeCoste yeah. from NS Builders. Actually now Matera Wood Millwork, I think is their new company. Yep. That and was uh, very interesting to see his process. Yes, for sure. Picked up a few little tips and tricks a there. Little tips. We're gonna we're gonna lay hard wood in there to match the living room. Mm-hmm. We're gonna put a bathtub in our. Well, we're not gonna give it all. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So only all special, right. special. But we're coming on fifty minutes here now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, we're gonna end it. This is supposed to be a short one where we yeah. talked about the studio, but I went on a tangent about a primary bathroom bedroom. Surprised? No. Nope. I love interior design. With that said, thank you so much for watching and or listening. If you like the podcast, consider subscribing. Maybe give us a little rating. Rate, review, and subscribe. Please don't take into consideration the swearing when you give us a rating because this podcast is rated explicit. Exactly. You know what you're signing up for. Yeah. All right. With that said. See you guys on the next one. Bye. Bye.